Thank you, Miss Sue Good morning again, everybody. Good morning. All right, good to see everybody out again. Visitors, we're happy to have you with us and want to invite you to be back anytime that you can. And, and certainly if uh, you're logging into Facebook or onto YouTube later, we want to invite you to be with us in person if you can. And if you're looking for a church home, we'd like for you to consider Locust Grove uh, in that decision. And we would love to have you part of our family uh, as well. It's always a privilege for me to share God's Word with you. Let's see, looks like uh, Children's Church this morning is Donna and Glenn, so 12 and under. I want to head over to uh, Children's Church for that. And as they're heading over for that, if you want to mark in your hymnals, number 181, Just As I Am, we'll use that as our hymn of invitation this morning. 181, Just As I Am. All right. Looking through in now. Well, as we know, Halloween is upon us. Uh, tomorrow, in fact, uh, November is upon us as well. <laughs> Tuesday, in fact. The holiday season, I guess, has begun. And it has gotten here very quick. Of course, we know this time of the year the air is a little crisper. Uh, the days are getting shorter, and that's a reminder. I forgot to put it in. It, it, that jumped up on me. I should have it in the bulletin to not forget next Saturday to set your, your clocks back, uh, to fall back one hour next Saturday night. So uh, I'll do a one call to remind us of that uh, as well. But uh, usually I like to try to kind of work that one to our advantage because if you don't know, you come to Sunday school. So uh, that's not an all bad thing. Uh, we also know with that time change, it gets darker a little earlier. We know that this holiday that's coming up tomorrow is the spookiest of the year. But we may not realize that retailers rejoice because this is the beginning of, of when they begin to try to work toward the black. I looked up some figures last night and for this year, uh, they have calculated the average American household will spend per person now $145 on Halloween per person. That's between costumes, candy, greeting cards, uh, and, and the such, and that I didn't realize it was this big of a business, but Halloween will net for retailers approximately $10.6 billion this year. So we can see that the, it's driven a lot economically for retail businesses, and that's why we may see a lot of promotion uh, on television for that. So I, I got to wondering last night, I thought, well, what if Christians spend $100 per person on Halloween? Because I know there are some Christians that refuse to participate in that. Wary because of the pagan origins of it. Uh, dark, ghoulish imagery. And uh, still others are concerned for safety, as Brother Dennis mentioned in his prayer. But then we have others that choose to participate in the festivities, whether it's a school. I know schools like to have uh, themed uh, days for that as well, or neighborhood trick-or-treating like it used to be when we, I was a kid. And, uh, Halloween alternatives like we'll have tomorrow here with Trunk or Treat and that opportunity to reach out uh, with ministry. Have you ever asked yourself, how, how is it that I should feel about Halloween? I know that's something that I have wrestled with over the course of the years. Uh, 
as I get a little older, I get a less, little less fond of it, just to be particularly honest with you. Halloween comes from All Saints Day, uh, which is a celebration that the early Christian church started, uh, but it continues today uh, with uh, several popular Roman Catholic, Methodist, Lutheran, and Anglican churches and others still celebrate All Saints Day which is a day that's set aside for the solemn remembrance of the martyrs of the church in the past. And All Hallows Eve is uh, the day that uh, um, prior to, just like Christmas Eve, it used to be called All Hallows Eve, Halloween, and then eventually went to Halloween. And as Christianity moved throughout Europe, they began to encounter and clash with pagan uh, religions all throughout the, the area. And it, uh, they began to confront some of these pagan customs, the holidays and festivals. Uh, they had converts coming in, but yet found them to be stumbling blocks to their faith because it was such a deep-rooted tradition with them they accepted Christianity, but it was hard to turn loose of what they had been raised up with. And we think about that in a similar way even with our culture today. So to deal with the problem, the organized church would commonly plug in a holiday, a Christian-based holiday, uh, around one of the pagan-based holidays. And Halloween is one of them. Uh, in fact, I guess you could say that uh, All Saints Eve or is the original Halloween alternative and that's a good idea but really all that's really happened with this holiday and others I'll say is that we have tried to Christianize uh, these celebrations but uh, we're still seeing mixed symbolism to give you a little deeper look at this the Celtic people in Europe and Britain were Druids that's which is pagan who celebrates mostly their major celebrations rather are marked at the seasons and the end of the year in northern Europe people prepare to ensure survival throughout the winter taking in the harvest we know that harvest festival we see that but then they would also uh, prepare they'd slaughter animals that wouldn't make it through they'd be laying in stocks for to keep warm preparing for life uh, through the cold dark winter months we can understand that, certainly, those necessities, especially at that time. But the imagery of death, symbolized by skeletons, skulls, and the color black, which is how it was associated with that harvest festival. It's actually called Sowen, uh, is the festival, the final harvest, death, and the onset of winter. For three days in October, from October 31st to November the 2nd, they would uh, celebrate and recognize this Sowen uh, festival, and it is still practiced today with pagan religions. And the thing that bothers me is, is the basis of this. It talks about the Celts believed that there was a curtain dividing the living and the dead, and for that three-day period, the dead were able to have access to the living here on earth. So you can see the, the close ties and the close symbolism from these pagan religions, this pagan observance to what we see and celebrate as Halloween today. So I ask you again as we think about it, how should we think about Halloween as Christians? 
realizing and knowing the, the basis of it and realizing knowing the, of what the scriptures tells us or calls us to do and that's what I want to look about look at briefly this morning is just how we should think about Halloween so if you would turn your Bibles over to first Peter chapter 5 verse 8 we're going to see first that we as Christians should not respond to Halloween with superstition. So you, we know about the superstition surrounding Halloween, and, and one of the symbols of Halloween is what? An old black cat, right? And the, and the superstition that goes wrong with that, that old cat crossing the road in front of you or crossing your path, and it's supposed to be a bad sign. Ladders, broken mirrors, those types of things, those superstitions is what we see associated with this. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, I want us to be reminded of what Peter says here. This is a very familiar scripture to us all. Be sober and be vigilant because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Now pagans are based out of superstitions in many ways with their religion. And people with relationship with God should not be that way, but we do know that we have people that are religious, that are superstitious. When really the truth of God's word should, should dispel superstition and, and should enlighten us to that. What I think is important about what Peter says here with the devil being aware that he's walking the earth, roaring like a lion, seeking whom he may devour, the devil doesn't just take off 364 days a year and come out on Halloween, folks. The devil roars and seeks every day. And that's what we have to be realizing and understanding. And that's why we can't allow superstition to enter into our way of thinking in our lives. That it's something that happens every day. And he's at work and we see that. We see that in the actions of the people that we see on our news reports. We see that in the actions of some world leaders and how they treat their people. And we see that in the actions of, of everyday communities where evil will creep up and pop up in some type of heinous act. So the devil is out there. His demons are out there each and every day, not just one day a year. Not just a three-day period called sowing. And we have to remember that. Now I want us to be reminded of what John wrote in 1 John chapter 4, 4. And remind us that ye are, the, are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than what? Than he that is in the world. Greater is Christ than Satan. Greater is God than all of the world and all that Satan uses to offer to try to trick people. Our sign down there says Satan uses uh, tricks to provide tricks. And that's right. And, and I'm not just talking about candy. I'm not talking about this, type of year, this time of year. I'm talking about the temptation that he offers up to us, the treat of whatever that sin is, and he will use the trick of allowing you to justify that sin. And that's what we have to remember, that greater is the power that is within us as Christians than the power that is within this world. Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, 
and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing, triumphing over them in it. So he disarmed the power of Satan. He relays that power back to us, or we have that power because of Christ. We have that power through the Holy Spirit. And that's what we have to be reminded of. Now, I, I don't want you to think that I'm, I'm against our kids going out and having fun. I'm not against that. I'm not against anything that, that, that helps our children, uh, especially after the past couple of years that we've went through, that helps our children laugh again and smile again. But I just want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, and, and, and everyone listening, I want us to consider what we're doing, and I want you to consider this question. Are we opening up the door and allowing the devil to have power where Jesus has taken that power away when we celebrate Halloween? And that's what we need to think about, even as, as innocent as it, we most people think of it, even as innocent as it seems in most cases. In fact, it is a dark celebration of death, and, and death is inevitable for each and every one of us. But we can't allow the pleasures of sin to allow us to engage in it. And that's what we have to be recalling of. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27. I don't have a, I don't have a slide on this because as I was going over it this morning, I just added it in. But you can turn there with me. It's Ephesians chapter 4. And I may not even have marked it. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 27. And we need to take heed to this. Neither give place to the devil. Paul writes here. He's talking about having overcome. And that's what I want us to be reminded of. Is not to give place to the devil. And I want you to examine for yourself your activities. I'm not judging you. That's not my job. I'm just encouraging you and I'm also warning you using the scriptures that what Jesus has done to overcome this force of evil that we don't open the door back to it and remembering the words of Paul that says give no place to the devil and I'll leave that in your court. I'll leave that for you to work with. Now we should respond as Christians to Halloween with wisdom. Certainly. Some people fear that activity of Satan's or pagan witches. And you know, as it's, it's more normalized now. You see it in the news, it's not uncommon, especially in our school systems where we have, have uh, clubs and groups that uh, meet because of Fellowship of Christian Athletes is one that comes to right off the top of my mind. But you know now that it has opened up as well that Satan has a club in your schools. We don't have, as far as I know, in, in our school system. But I've seen it in the news. Where Satanists have petitioned the school board to allow a club to come in there and to be established in the name of, of freedom. And they have to do that, folks. We've normalized evil. We've normalized Satan in our school systems, in our world, in our culture. No longer is Satan scary. No longer is his domain feared. Why is that? We've normalized sin. We've normalized the prince of this world, the prince of darkness. 
which this whole holiday is associated with. So how is it that we come as with wisdom? Well, naturally, we protect our children when we go out. We make sure that when we go trick-or-treating, if we go house to house, we go to only people we know. Or if you're using an alternative like trunk-or-treat, you bring them to a church and have faith that all of those good church people are going to care for your children. That's how you overcome some of that with wisdom. We do that by protecting and making sure of the mischief that goes on. Though the mischief that goes on now is not as much associated with boys going out being boys as it was 40, 50 years ago, as now we see it's, it's different types of mischief. It's the mischief of drugs and, and alcohol and things at these parties and, and the drugs that we face, this fentanyl crisis that we face all across our nation. It's no longer somebody just getting drunk and getting sick and passing out. It's these kids are being infected or affected by these drugs and they're dying. One hit and they're dead. And that's how these celebrations sometimes end, sadly. So we have to use wisdom in everything that we do. Jesus told his disciples as he was sending them out two by two to go out into, uh, to preach the gospel in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. He tells them to, uh, to go out and I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And that's the world that we live in as Christians, moms and dads and grandparents and aunts and uncles and and just family members, we live in a world where if you are a Christian, if you're bringing your child up in a Christian home, you're sending them out into the world, into a world of wolves. And we need to teach them to be as wise as a serpent, but also as harmless as a dove in the actions that we take. That's how we face this with wisdom. And lastly, Christians should respond to Halloween, and most importantly, with the gospel. The unbelieving, Christ-rejecting world that we live in, they live in the continual fear of death. They may or may not realize it. But you look at the commercials that we see on TV. Many of those commercials are about the restoration or longevity of life, how you can take vitamins, improve the quality of your life, extend your ability to be mobile, extend your ability to, to be able to care for yourself, and all those are good things. But they only last to the grave. They only last to the grave. Eternal life, the gospel, which we are the keepers of as Christians, we realize that. We are the caretakers and those that are responsible to spread the gospel to let people know that, yeah, go ahead and live a good, healthy life here, but there's something coming that's going to last forever, longer than a 40, 50, 60, 70, 80-year lifespan, 100-year lifespan, whatever you want to plug in there, one that's going to be eternity. And we know how that you handle that, and that's through the gospel of Jesus Christ. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 10 says this. Hebrews 10, 27. 26 and 7. For if we will sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. 
but a certain fearful looking for the judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour our adversaries. And he's talking about the judgment at the end. I mean, the Bible tells us that every man is appointed once to die. And then what? The judgment. There's no in-between. There's no second chance. There's no exit ramp that you can get off and decide if your destination is where you want to go. Because we have no choice in the matter of the day and the time and the hour in which we're called from this life. I hadn't heard the news about Logan before I wrote this, but I thought about this as I was going over it this morning. And I'm not using this to scare you. I'm just using this to emphasize the point. When he left home, he intended to come back this morning to be with his family, his wife and his son. When he went to work, he expected it to be just like any other shift that he had encountered uh, in his years of service. But God's plan was different. God's plan is different for each and every one of us here today. Every one of us have an appointment with death. Everybody that's watching on whatever media or listening, we all have an appointment with death. And it's God's, that God's choosing Regardless of how healthy I am or how unhealthy I am, regardless of my occupation, whether it be very risky or, or very benign, something very safe, I have an appointment with death. And what I do here on this earth with this gospel, with this truth that God has given to me through his son Jesus Christ and these men that served and followed him and learned and spread the gospel to us, what I do with that will determine where I spend eternity. And it's the same way with every one of you. Every person in this room. It's the same way with every person watching on the videos. What you do with the truth of this book will determine your eternal destination. It doesn't matter what the world says about this book. It doesn't matter if the world says that tries to justify, again, like we, we, we talked about earlier, Satan offers treats by tricking us. It doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter what common culture says. They don't determine where we spend eternity. The God and creator of this earth determines that. He made that opportunity for us to make the choice by whether we accept, A, the truth of his word, and B, his son Jesus Christ as our Savior. There is no alternative like we have alternative Halloween events. There is no alternative to salvation through Jesus Christ. He's it. There's no choice B. So witches and ghosts and zombies and evil spirits, those things are not terrifying to me. You know what's terrifying to me? God's wrath unleashed on the unforgiven sinner. That's terrifying. Because that wrath doesn't just last Halloween night. Or like we have these spook houses that you go to, and they're open for about a month. And I reckon some of them's pretty scary if you go through there. But you know what? That ends. And they take their makeup off, and they shut the doors on those places and they go back to their normal lives and do whatever they do 
uh, for a living. But the wrath of God is forever. And it is eternal. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. If you will. Romans 12, verse 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I want us to go forward and think about what God's perfect will is in my life. And I want you to think about what God's perfect will is in your life. And allow the Holy Spirit to move you and to move toward that goal. And I want us to think about these holidays that's coming up. Each one, how we think about it and how that we handle it in the light of God's truth. Do we welcome and open the door to the prince of this world by celebrating a pagan holiday that is based on death and despair and darkness? Or do we take the opportunity to use that to shed light and hope and eternal life to people. And that's what I hope we choose to do. That's why I encourage you this morning. That's why I want us to all think about that and think about it as we move forward. Things have changed, if you haven't noticed, in our, in our world. And I'm not just talking about since COVID. I'm talking about over the past 50 years, things have changed. There is a darkness around this globe that did not exist or was not as strong 50 years ago as it is today. And that darkness is creeping ever and ever closer into each one of our homes. There was a day and a time when we could look kind of uh, with, with fun and, and flippant about these holidays and, and the, the positions that we think about and stand on. And, and it didn't really affect the world as a whole. But now that we see, we see that evil is progressing in our world. I think that we see, those of us who read God's word and have the wisdom to know what he's talking about, see that this is truly a battle of good versus evil, folks. This is truly what we are experiencing in our world today. And that we truly have factions outside the world that will continue to nip away, nip away, nip away at the truth of God's word to make sure that people are able to engage in whatever activity they want to do, whatever pleasure of the flesh that they have to engage in. And it's justified because the world says it's okay. But God's word never said it was okay. So I want us to prayerfully think about the things that we do, the things that we say, and how we represent ourselves. How that in every event and everything that we do, that I am a Christian first and foremost. I am the keeper and the spreader and the holder of this gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what I'm called to do, and I'm, I'm called to extend that out to the lost. How am I representing that in my actions and what I do? Because exactly how we handle it is how the world will look at it. They don't take it too seriously. Why should I? They don't believe it. Why should I? If we want to see change in this country, we have to make change in this country. We have to change the direction of the way we live our lives. We've got an election coming up in, in uh, just uh, nine days, eight days. 
If we don't like the direction this nation is going, now is the chance, maybe some of the last chances that we'll ever see to really truly affect, begin to affect change. I don't like the direction of the way this nation's going. But you know what? Just like I said a couple of weeks ago, it doesn't affect my salvation. Because this nation, its leaders, all of its public officials, they don't have that kind of power over me. It says right in the scripture that Jesus loosed that power from the devil and he gave me that power through the Holy Spirit. I have the power to be able to say, I am going to follow Jesus. You can kill my body. You cannot destroy my soul in hell. So let us be resolved as Christians to handle things in a manner fit of a Christian. And the first thing that you have to do is you have to accept Jesus Christ or you reject Jesus Christ. You accept the gospel as it is written, as truth. You accept that the first thing that one must do is hear the word and believe it. You accept that once you hear and believe that it will change your heart and you're willing to confess your sins and repent and confess Jesus Christ as your Savior because you know it's the only hope that you have for eternal salvation. Once you do that, you realize that I must follow what Jesus said, what Jesus commanded, that would be baptized, as Peter said on the day of Pentecost. What must we do to be saved? Repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, that you may receive remission of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's the same today. And then once we come up out of that watery grave, leaving that old sinful man, that old man that may have been uh, influenced by the world, we're raised that new creation. We put on the new man and we walk forward faithful, following God's word and truth and handling it such until we're called away or until the trumpet sounds. And maybe you're a Christian this morning. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you've accepted Jesus Christ, but you've allowed the lust of the flesh, the pleasure of the flesh, the influence of the world to change the way that you act and react to the gospel. And maybe there's something that I've said or maybe there's something that you went through this course of the week that you understand, you know what, I need to make a change. I need to get myself back on the right track and get myself back in the right relationship with the Lord. Today is the day to do that, folks. Now is the time to do that because we have no guarantee of tomorrow. None of us are guaranteed, and, and just to drill this home, I'm not trying to depress us, but just to remind us of the brevity of life, none of us are guaranteed to make it home from church today. Because somewhere in this community, I'm just going to say it like this, somewhere in this community there is a drunk operating a vehicle on the roadway. And I'm just going to leave it right there. And pray and hope that we all get home safely and we go about our everyday activities just like we did last Sunday and the Sunday before and the Sunday before. And, and we hope to do the next 10, 20, 30, 50 Sundays in the future. But what if Today is the day that the Lord calls me home. That's what I have to remember. I have to make sure that I am in the right relationship with God. And you do too. We're going to sing his hymn of invitation just as I am. And you know what? That's exactly how God will take you. But he won't leave you that way. 
He'll take you just as you are, but he will not leave you just as you are. Through the power of the Holy Spirit and the love of Jesus Christ, he will change you over the course of time into what he wants you to be if you allow that to work inside. We're going to sing the first and the fifth verse of this hymn. I want to encourage you to come as we stand and sing.